Section 9 of Just 16. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katarina Huang. Just 16 by Susan Coolidge. Two Girls, Two Parties. Great bustle and confusion had reigned the whole week long in the old house at the top of the hilly street known to the neighborhood as the squires all the slip covers had been taken from the furniture in the best parlor all the company china had been lifted off its top shelf and washed all the spare lamps had been filled all the rooms swept and dusted all the drawers in the bureaus freshly arranged for as milly said to herself who knew but someone might take a fancy to peep in milly grace the squire's daughter had sat for hours in the cold woodshed tying up wreaths of ground pine and hemlock with fingers which grew more chilly every hour these wreaths now ornamented the parlor festooning curtains chimney pieces and door frames and making green edges to the family portraits which were two in number neither of them by copley or steward as was plain to the most casual observation one of these portraits represented the squire's father in a short-waisted square-tailed blue coat and a canary-colored waistcoat his forefinger was inserted in a calf-bound volume of blackstone and his eyes were fixed with a fine judicial directness upon the cupola of the courthouse seen through a window in the background the other was his wife in a sad-colored gown and muslin tucker was a countenance which suggested nothing except saleratus and the renunciation of all human joys the squire did not care much for this picture it made him feel badly he said just the feeling he used to have when he was a boy and was sent every sunday by this orthodox parent to study the longer answers of the shorter catechism on the third step of the garret stairs with orders not to stir from that position till he had them perfectly committed to memory it was this strict bringing up perhaps which made him so indulgent to milly a great deal too indulgent her stepmother thought in the buttery stood a goody row of cakes little and big loaves whose icings shone like snow crust on a sunny day little cakes with plums and little cakes without plums all sorts of cakes on the swinging shelf of the cellar were moulds of jelly clear and firm in the woodhouse stood three freezers of ice cream packed and ready to turn out elsewhere were dishes of scalloped oysters ready for the oven each with its little edging of crimped crackers platters of chicken salad forms of blank mange bowls of yellow custard topped with raspberry and egg-like sunset tint avalanches all that goes to the delectation of a country party for a party there was to be as after this enumeration i need hardly state 
it was Milly's party, and all these elaborate preparations were her own work, the work of a girl of nineteen, with no larger allowance of hands, feet, and spinal vertebrae than all girls have, and no larger allowance of hours to her day, but with a much greater share of zeal, energy, and what the squire called go that most young women of her age can boost off she it was who had pounded away at the tough sacks full of ice and salt till they were ready for the freezers she it was who had beaten the innumerable eggs for the sponge cakes pound cakes fruit cakes one two three four jelly nuts and other cakes who had swept the rooms washed the china rearranged changed brightened everything like most other families on croydon hill the graces kept but one help a stout woman who could wash iron and scrub with the best and grapple successfully enough with the simple daily menu but who for finer purposes was as unhandy as a gorilla all the embellishments all the delicate cookeries fell to the share of the ladies of the household which meant milly as a general thing and in this case particularly for the party was hers and she felt bound to take the burden of it on her own shoulders as far as possible especially as her stepmother did not quite approve and considered that the squire had done a foolish thing in giving consent milly should have her way for once the squire had announced so milly had her way and had borne herself bravely and brightly through the fatigues of preparation but somehow when things were almost ready when the table was set lacking only the last touches and the fire lighted a heavy sense of discouragement fell upon her it was the natural reaction after long overwork but she was too inexperienced to understand it she only knew that suddenly the thing she had wished for seemed undesirable and worth nothing and that she felt perfectly miserable and didn't care what became of her she laid her tired head on the little table by which she was sitting and without in the least intending it began to cry mrs grace was lying down the squire was out there was no one to note her distress or sympathize with it excepting tea kettle the black cat he was sorry for milly after his cat fashion rubbed his velvet head against her dress for a little while as if wishing to console her but when she took no notice he walked away and sat down in front of the door waiting till someone should open it and let him through cats soon weary of the role of comforter and escape to pleasanter things sunshine bird shadows on the grass light-hearted people who will play with them and make no appeal to their sympathies milly's tears did her no good she was too physically worn out to find relief in them they only deepened her sense of discouragement the clock struck six she roused herself wearily 
and went upstairs to dress there were still the lamps to light and last things to do and no one to do them but me thought poor milly oh dear how dreadfully my feet ache how glad i shall be when they all go away and i can go to bed this was indeed a sad state of mind to be in on the eve of a long-anticipated pleasure everything looked bright and orderly and attractive when the guests arrived a little after half-past seven the fire snapped and the candles shone a feeling of hospitable warmth was in the air milly's arrangements except so far as they regarded her own well-being had been judicious and happy the pretty girls in their short-sleeved blue and crimson merinos with roses and geranium leaves in their hair i need not say that this was at a far back and old-fashioned date looked every whit as charming as the girls of to-day in their more elaborate costumes cousin mary kendall who for all her grown-up sons and daughters liked fun as much as any girl among them had volunteered to play for the dancing and the spirit with which she dashed at once into the capian waltz and corn rigs arboni was enough to set a church steeple to capering everybody seemed in a fair way to have a delightful evening except one person that one was poor milly usually the merriest in every party but now dull spiritless and inert she did not even look pretty color and sparkle the chief elements of beauty in her face were for the moment completely quenched she was wan and jaded there were dark rings under her eyes and an utter absence of spring to her movements usually so quick and buoyant she sat down whenever she had the chance she was silent unless she must speak half unconsciously she kept a watch of the clock and was saying to herself only two hours more and i can go to bed her fatigued looks and lack of pleasure were a constant damper to the animation of the rest everyone noticed and wondered what could be the matter but only janet norcross dared to ask have you got a headache she whispered but the no which she received by way of answer sounded so cross that she did not venture on further inquiries why won't you dance with me urged will benham you said you would when we were talking about the party after the lecture don't you remember i'd rather the others had the chance it's my party you know replied milly but they are having a chance everybody is dancing but you come milly oh well don't tease cried milly irritably i never saw such an evening do please to leave me alone and go and ask some of the others weariness sharpened her voice till the words were out of her lips she had no idea that she was going to speak so petulantly to will it sounded dreadfully even to herself oh certainly said will with freezing dignity he crossed the room and presently 
Millie saw him take Helen Jones out to the set of lancers just forming. He did not look at Millie again, or come near her, and the sense of his displeasure was just the one drop too much. Millie felt herself choke. A hot rush of tears blinded her eyes. She turned, and being fortunately near the door, got out of it and upstairs without suffering her face to be seen. Janet found her half an hour later, lying prone across the bed and sobbing as if her heart would break. "'What is the matter?' she cried in alarm. "'Are you ill, dear Milly? Has anything dreadful happened? I came up to look for you. Well, Benham got worried because you were away so long, and came to me to ask what had become of you. I told him I guessed you were taking out the ice creams, but Caddy said you hadn't been in the kitchen at all, so I came up here. What is the matter? Do tell me. Oh, nothing is the matter at all, except that I am a perfect idiot, and so tired that I wish I were dead, said Milly. It was awfully good of well to care, for I spoke so crossly to him. You can't think. It was horrid of me but somehow I felt so dreadfully tired that the words seemed to jump out of my mouth against my will. Dear Janet, and I was cross to you, too, added Millie penitently. Everything has gone wrong with me tonight. Oh, and there is that horrible ice cream. I must go and get it out of the freezers, but my back aches so, Janet, and the soles of my feet burn like fire. "'You poor thing! You are just tired out,' said her friend. "'No wonder. You must have worked like a horse to make everything so nice and pretty as it is. Don't worry about the ice cream. Just tell me what dishes to put it in, and I'll see to it. It won't take five minutes. But do rouse yourself now, and keep up a little while longer. The others will wonder so if you don't go down.' You must go down, you know. Here is a wet towel for your eyes, and I'll smooth your hair. Even so small a lift as having the ice cream taken out for her was a relief, and Janet's kindness and the sense that Will was not hopelessly alienated by her misconduct helped Milly to recover her equilibrium. Soothed and comforted, she went downstairs and got through the rest of the evening tolerably well. But when the last good-night had been said, and the last sleigh-bell had jingled away from the door, she found herself too tired to rest. All night long she tossed restlessly on her hot pillows, while visions of pounding ice and stirring cake, of Will's anger and Janet's surprise when she found her in tears, whirled through her thoughts. When morning came, she was so poorly that the doctor was sent for. Too much party, no doubt, was his inward commentary when he received the summons, and his first words to Milly were, Well, Missy, so you are down with fruitcake and mottos, are you? Oh, doctor, no, I never ate a mouthful of the cake, I only made it, was poor Milly's disclaimer. That sounds serious, said the doctor, but when he had felt her pulse he looked graver. 
you've done a good deal too much of something that is evident he said i shall have to keep you in bed a while to pay you for it milly was forced to submit she stayed in bed for a whole week and the greater part of another missing thereby two candy pools on which her heart was set and the best sleighing frolic of the season everybody was kind about coming to see her and sending her flowers and nice things and janet in particular spent whole hours with her every day the whole thing seems such a dreadful pity milly said one day she was really better now able to sit up and equal to a calm discussion of her woes i had looked forward so much to my party and i wanted to have it as nice as could be and i worked so hard and then when the time came i did not enjoy it a bit if i could only have it over again now when i am all rested and fresh i should have as good a time as anybody doesn't it seem a pity janet yes it does replied janet after which she fell into a little musing fit one can't have company without taking some trouble she said at last but i wonder if one need take so much i don't see what else i could have done said milly you must give people nice things when they come to see you and somebody had got to make them and besides that there is so much to see to about the house dusting and washing china and making the rooms nice i know went on janet reflectively mrs beers half killed herself i remember when she had that quilting two years ago and giving the whole house a thorough house-cleaning beforehand she said as like as not somebody would want to run up into the garret chamber after something and she should have a fit if it wasn't in order and after all not a soul went anywhere except to the parlor and dining-room and into mrs spear's bedroom to take off their things so the fuss was all thrown away and mrs beers had inflammation of the lungs afterwards and almost died i recollect but then they might have gone to the attic she couldn't tell it was natural that mrs spears should think of it well and suppose they had and that there had been a trifle of dust on the top of some old trunk what difference would it have made people who are busy enjoying themselves don't stop to notice every little thing i am going to think the thing over milly it's all wrong somehow janet herself was meditating a party her father had given permission and aunt esther who managed the housekeeping was only too glad to fall in with any plan which pleased janet judge norcross was the richest man on the hill there was no reason why janet's entertainment should not outshine milly's in fact she had felt a little ambitious to have it do so and had made certain plans in her private mind all of which involved labor and trouble but now she hesitated if i'm going to be as tired out as milly was and not enjoy it what's the use of having a party at all 
she said to herself i'd like to have it as nice as hers but whatever i have i have got to do it all myself i am not as strong as milly i know and it has half killed her perhaps it would quite kill me a party isn't worth that she discussed the matter within herself reasonably she could wind herself up and make eight kinds of cake if she liked there were the recipes and the materials and she knew how moreover aunt esther would help her she could have as much jelly and syllabub and blanc mange as milly she could turn the house upside down if she desired and trim and beautify and adorn it was a temptation no girl likes to be outdone least of all by her intimate friend but is it worth while janet queried and i think she proved herself possessed of a very level head when at last she decided that it was not i'll be sensible for once she told herself a party is not a duty it is a pleasure if i get so tired that i spoil my own pleasure i spoil my company's too for they will be sure to find it out just as they did at milly's i couldn't half enjoy anything that night because she looked so miserable and i won't run the risk of having the same thing happen at our house i'll just do what is necessary and leave off the extras the necessary when janet came to analyze it proved to be quite as much as she was able to undertake for as she had admitted to herself she was not nearly so strong as milly grace it meant an ample supply of two sorts of cake freshly made and delicate with plenty of ice cream salad scalloped oysters and rolls there was extra china to wash the table to set and the rooms to dust and arrange and janet was quite tired enough before it was done she sent to boston for some preserved ginger to take the place of the jelly which she didn't make she made no attempt at evergreen wreaths and she wisely concluded that rooms in their usual state of cleanliness would pass muster with young people intent on dancing and amusement that no one would find time to peep into holes and corners and that the house could wait to have its thorough cleaning administered gradually after the occasion was over there was really a great deal of steady good sense in holding to this view of the matter and janet found her reward in the end the preparations even thus simplified taxed her strength the extra touches which she had omitted would have been just the straw too much she gave herself a good margin for rest on the afternoon preceding the party and when she came downstairs in her pretty dress of pale blue cashmere and swans down ready to meet her guests her cheeks and eyes were as bright as usual and her spirits were ready for the exhilaration of excitement the tone of any gathering depends in great measure of its hostess if she is depressed or under the weather her visitors are pretty sure to catch her mood and be affected by it 
Janet's sunny looks and gay laughs set the key tone of her party. Nobody missed the wine jelly or the six absent sorts of cake. No one wasted a thought on the evergreen wreaths. All was fun and merriment, and nothing seemed wanted to the occasion. What a good time we have had, said Helen Jones to Alice Ware as they stood at the door of the dressing room waiting for their escorts. It's been ever so much jollier than it was at Milly's, and I can't think why. That was a beautiful party, but somehow people seemed to feel dull. Helen had no idea of being overheard. But as it happened, Milly was nearer to her than she thought. I'll tell you why it was, Helen, she said, coming forward frankly. Don't look so shocked. I know you didn't mean me to hear. But indeed, I don't mind a bit, and it's quite true. Besides, Janet's party has been a great deal nicer, and it's because I was such a goose about mine. I did a great deal too much and got dreadfully tired, so tired that I couldn't enjoy it. And you all found it out, of course, so you couldn't enjoy it either. I'm sure I don't wonder, but it was all my own fault. Janet took warning by my experience and made her party easier, and you see how nice it has been. We have all had a beautiful time, and so has she. Well, I've learned a lesson by it. Next time I give a party, I shall just do what I can to make it pleasant for you all, and not what I can't. And I hope it will turn out better for everybody concerned. End of two girls, two parties. Recording by Katarina Huang.